Welcome to the Pro Wrestling For You podcast. Snap, crackle and cheap pops. And here's your host, Mr. Phil Woodvine. Mr. Daniel Terry, how the devil are you doing, sir? I am devilishly good, thank you. How are you, Mr. Filthy Woodvine? I am not too shabby. I'm not going to lie. I'm, uh, my hay fever is kicking my ass. If I sound more oh. nasally than, uh, than usual. Uh, blame the hay, the hay fever. I mean, Stokey is a nasal kind of voice accent anyway. But I mean, it's it's a it's a. I'm I'm not from this area, so I can quite happily you know shun it. Um, it's it's a very hybrid accent and hybrid <laughs> dialect, isn't it? It's kind of it's kind of like borrowed from a few little areas of, of the surrounding and kind of mashed them all together like play-doh, and you end up with that kind of multicolored, slightly brown, purple, green, red, blue, yellow ball of an accent. <laughs> So any any Stokies listening to this, we have uh, a mutt or a mongrel or uh, a manager's special, call it whatever you want to call it. But you know what? I kind of I kind of agree. The accent is a bit scarce, a bit a bit Heinz fifty seven in it. Yeah, it's just it's just one. Of it. <laughs> so we'll we'll let you just going to jump straight in. So for anyone that only knows you as part of being pro wrestling for you and you okay. what would have been the first show that you did for us can you remember oh god the first show that i did i can't i know i was absolutely bricking it i want to say it was a september show and i want to say it was what would have been 2017 so would it have been silverdale or would it have been one of the holy trinities i believe it was silverdale yeah no it was definitely silverdale because I remember going down into 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 the dressing room and thinking, "Oh my, there's a lot of everything in here," <laughs> which they have cleared out since. But I seem to recall back then it was cluttered. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to convince them because um, when the Silverdale venue rings me, I kind of want to say to them, "Look, I don't mind coming up if you get the skip. I will literally fill it for the- <laughs> it, it, it needs it. I know the fans listening to this, they're never going to know. I nope. love that Silverdale venue. Silverdale's our home. And I absolutely love the venue, the staff, uh, Carl and um, Gay Jack. That's what he calls himself. That's not me. <laughs> um, they, they couldn't be nicer. But downstairs in the changing room, it's not very nice. It's filled full of... There's swords, there's um, there's a massive three-metre-long broken mirror. There's, um, there's two filing cabinets, neither of which particularly work, both of which I think are empty. Uh, there's tables, there's chairs, there's... I think I think there's Christmas. I think there's all the Christmas decorations down there. I think there's those there. Yeah, I mean like fourteen broken fourteen inch TVs, like Christmas decks. <laughs> yeah, they've got us. They've got to store that kind of stuff somewhere, so it would make sense to use that room. But it would be nice to have a big clear house. Because I going back to the sort of question at hand, yeah. I thought your first show for us was a Holy Trinity show. I'm trying to think. I mean, sort of, I, 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 in a very strange way, I kind of half blanked it out because I was absolutely bricking it. I've never done sort of like you know, I've done, I've done stage, I've done theatre, and that's fine. But it's always you know, sort of, I always have like you know, a script and lines, and there's like much less rehearsal leading up to it. This was go on stage with the mic and make it up as you go along. Okay, what? <laughs> well, I mean. Because I, because I, I, the reason I think this, because I remember Kim introducing you on the Holy Trinity show. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that that would have been the first show that you did for us. I think, I think. that was her. I think that was her last one before she went on uh, mat leave. 
That could be it, yeah. yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll go back and we'll, we'll, we'll check all this out. Yeah, I'm, I'm genuinely, curious. genuinely intrigued because we, we've passed the nine and a half year point of progressing for you and it all blends into one a little bit. It's very, very difficult. Even though we're coming up uh, just shy of 45 shows, 50 shows, so not a lot by any stretch of the imagination, but we've covered a lot of ground. We've done a lot of things. We've had some really good hits. We've had some really quite bad misses. If the, the Maidley yeah, show itself, I've, I've still not watched that Maidley show. I can't watch it. It was, it's too it empty. Was, I mean, it was, it, it was one of those things, sort of like it was just going into a new area with no idea sort of like how people would react to sort of like, you know, wrestling in that area. And, you know, it was a learning curve. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, put, we'll put it down to that. I mean, it's a very expensive curve. learning curve, but... And it, I was close. My first show, I believe, was released the Kraken on June the 9th. Because Hell in the Well, I wasn't there for, and I think that was the orange incident. Uh, <laughs> Kim, Kim hates that incident. Like I laugh about it a lot because it's my kind of sense of humour. Kim just draws a blank and just, uh, like, I don't get why you find it's funny. So, well, you got hit in the face with, with like a large orange while you were pregnant, and you didn't even sell it like when it was hitting coming to your face. Because I would have ducked out the way if someone chucked something at my face where she just lets big fruits hit on the very badly. It was juking. It was juking, yeah. Bless uh, <laughs> No, that was hilarious. Yeah, no, my first show was um, really to Kraken uh, because I remember sort of like watching Helena Well and seeing that and I believe it was, uh, that's say that was at Bradwell, which is where I think Kim then sort of like announced it sort of like, you know, it would be me the next one. Uh, and I know that sort of fact because I still have the red trousers from that December show. Ah, yeah. So, so, so you know your outfits. You know you would still necessarily know, know the show. Kind of, yeah. It's just I know that sort of like the certain, like you know the um, the one with the jeepers sleepers. I had the uh, full on um, Mexican Day of the Dead. Um, oh, that was so good. That was so good. Like, like ladies and gents, like seriously, if you've not seen um, <laughs> an announcer dress up as like it's what sort of like a mariachi. Yeah, a mar- um, mariachi, uh, mariachi school. What what's what's the character? There's like there's a special character and I can't, oh oh that's gonna bug me that's gonna bug uh, me. It's like a famous Mexican character that kind of dresses like that with the with the Day of the Dead paints. Oh yeah. that's gonna bug me. him anyway. So ladies and gentlemen, if yep. you've never seen uh, a show hosted um, <laughs> by someone dressed as Day of the Dead, go out your way. I think Jeepers Sleepers is online. Bits of it will be on our YouTube. And obviously the, the photos are on our Facebook as well. Yes. It's fantastic. Dan went above and beyond for this show. I, I had that outfit from, I think, I mean, the show was in the show was in November. Yeah, November the 1st. I think I, think I had the, the, that outfit from about April, May, <laughs> ready for that show. I'd, all, I'd planned that far ahead. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I remember arriving and going, Brilliant. Trying it on and going, yep, it fits. And then trying it on a few weeks before and going, cool. Well, I've definitely eaten more since then. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, we, we we have got into the weeds a little bit, but, but so of what? What year was that? Did you say two thousand seventeen? Two thousand seventeen. Yeah. So uh, obviously, how did I how did I even talk you into this? Because I say, like, ladies and gents, if I sound a bit forgetful. Now, like, I apologise, but running a pro wrestling company, it's very, very difficult. <laughs> Trying to remember dates and shows and places, 
Now we've I don't think we've ever had a, had a show that we've not changed the talent. We've not had a talent pull out. We've not had a talent uh, arrive a bit late or need to leave early, so we need to move their match on early. It's a very, very conf- confusing thing because wrestling shows are very organic. It's not a script. It's There's a skeleton there that we try and work to, but it moves permanently. We trim matches. We take matches out. We move the order around. We change finishes on the fly. Sometimes people get injured and we have to scrap a match. There's so much that we can change. I do forget a lot. I can't help it. I'm getting old. It is what it is. Imagine uh, like a magic jigsaw. Again, um, bear with okay. me. Right, so, you, know, sort of like you, you, you start at the beginning, you get all the pieces, you put it together and you go, yeah, that was good. And sort of like you come back to it a few days later and the picture just magically changed. So you've got to kind of like pick it, take that piece out <laughs> and there's a new piece in the box and so that needs to go in there now uh, because that piece doesn't fit anymore. Sort of like, you know, it's, it's just it's constant rearranging. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's why... I love pr- promoting shows and being around shows. And, uh, it's that's definitely been... never dull. <laughs> yeah, because, you know what I mean, like one thing can happen and it can change so much. I mean, yeah. just mentioned Jeepers Sleepers. I mean, probably the most infamous uh, moment from that show was meant to be Drill winning the Pro Wrestling Future Championship. It ended up being somebody lobbing a pint glass across the room during the penultimate yeah. match. Yeah, it was. But that sucked all the fun um, out of the room. So, you know what I mean? It's moments like that that just make you uh, just realise just how organic a, a wrestling show is. It's, it's yeah. really, it's crazy. Now, it, for it me, was, that, sorry, go on. It was, it was definitely sort of like a moment for me that kind of like solidified sort of how awesome a fan base, you know, minus the one person. And it was, it was to said, it was literally one person. That's yeah. it. Yeah, but but like the fan base as a whole felt it. Everybody felt it. Like the, the talent sort of like you know, backstage, the talent in the ring, sort of like you know, everyone who was helping out, all the fans felt it. And it was kind of like a although it was a horrible, horrible incident, and I you know I, I, I plead anyone who hears this, don't be that guy ever. Um but it kind of brought everyone that little bit closer because everyone was kind of on the exactly the same wavelength of that's not okay. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the, the sort of chariot... I, mean, I was I was distraught. I know uh, you were really shaken by it. Imagine Mark was really shaken yeah. by it. Um, Jess, who was stood next to me, that was closer to where the glass hit, she she was so cool with it. I mean, I don't think anything phases. Uh, no. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? It's one of those incidents where something happens and it it's crazy. But I think Sugar Duncan's... Uh, speech after the main event match. Yeah, just you couldn't. We couldn't plan anything like that. We couldn't script anything like that. He just spoke from the heart and he said what everyone was thinking. He made yep. a bit of a joke about it and they're like, "Oh, is that too soon?" Oh, that's fine. And we're we're a funny company. Where banter is our top thing that people come to our shows for. So to get that back on track by having a bit of a laugh and a joke. I can't say enough good about you know, Mr. Sugar D himself, Mr. Pineapple Pete. Mr. Pineapple Pete, I know. Just, you know and, uh, Nathan and I and sort of like this amazing scene, like what he's doing these days. It's, it's incredible. It's, it's crazy. Like, he, like, what? One month from now, so we're in May. So five, May. Six, yeah, five, six months ago, he was in the Silverdale Working Men's Club in yep. Staffordshire. Yep. Fast forward today, he's against Chris Jericho on AEW TV. Yep. Absolutely madness. 
but I mean, yeah, yeah and is 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 a is a story sort of like that. You know, I think all like any any wrestlers listening to this, sort of like you know, look at Shug, like sort of like go into his Twitter and read back and read back and read back. He is constantly grinding. He is constantly pushing forward. He's constantly trying to better himself for the for the industry. He's constantly working, and this is where he is now because of that, not because of some lucky chance, because of his work that he's put in. He has earned that opportunity. He's he's ground that out for himself. Yeah, I, I mean, I, hopefully, I mean, it's it's really really bittersweet because we uh, we had him over here three times last year. Yeah. He he crashed here at the house. He yep. came out for for drinks with us at the after party. Um, there's, there's some good stories in there, but they're not for this podcast. I'm sorry, nope, ladies. Not and for today. <laughs> definitely, definitely not for today. Um, <laughs> And that was on us. That wasn't on Shug. Shug's an absolute gen. That was yep. on us and some people that we hang around with. We're going to skip yep. over that. And actually. some people that might also edit this podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, Chris. <laughs> but, um, but it is, I think he's bittersweet because I really want to see Shug do so, so well. Like he's, he's yeah. earned it. He continues to earn it. He's so humble. He works so hard. But it does mean that if he does get successful, he won't be necessarily working back over here anytime soon. No, which, but again, sort of like you know, I, as 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 much as you know, sort of like I would selfishly love to see that. I don't, I don't begrudge him at all. You know, sort of like that, oh, guy, no. that, that guy earns it. That guy has earned it. You know, and he and he consistently does. He is such a grafter. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, we'll we'll get into a Sugar Dunkin story later, and I want to do yeah. want to dial back a tiny little bit. So you saw us 2017, I think, released the Kraken. Would have been early to middle 2017. There, there. Ah, so that'll, that'll be it. Yes. So June 2017. So if anyone that has only ever seen you at Progressing for you as our announcer, mm-hmm. um, could you give us a bit of an insight? Because like I know bits about what you did before this, but I don't know the full story. So for me, I kind of want to get to you know, to kind of revisit that and okay. get to make that along with the fans listening because you've been in this business like years and years ago so i kind of want you to put some time stamps on stuff give us some um sort of background info fill in some bits and pieces okay well i've you know always always loved wrestling so i remember sort of like you know being in uh you know as you do and i do not endorse this or condone this at all if there are any kids listening please do it in a safe environment in a training school where you are taught how to do it properly not on a playground um field but as we all do um sort of like you know wrestling on a playground field and mucking about and watching like the wwf as it was then um and sort of like you know really enjoying it and then going to uni and taking up the opportunity to actually do some training i i have actually done wrestling training uh i traveled from staff uni to knotts county uh, where I believe the one Keith Meyer also once taught, uh, as I as I learned. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. he was as, in the as, House of Pain. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I travelled all the way from Staffordshire Uni to Notts County Ground uh, for I, I think it only did about six seven weeks, uh, but sort of you know learning sort of like, you know the, the the cardio I remember vividly. Oh my god, <laughs> I remember the cardio. It was a two hour class, and the first forty minutes was the warm up. It was, it was it was just it was intense as anything, but I loved it. Um, you know, sort of like learning how to take bumps, front, back, um, flips, or like you know, learning sort of like you know, holds like learning all your sort of like your, your technical start, your reversals, um, learning the. I, and I always get the name of this wrong. I always get the name of this wrong. 
the international. Yeah, yeah. That I always for some reason call it the continental every now and then. I don't know, breakfast on the mind. Um, <laughs> but yeah, sort of like learning international. And then I remember sort of like, you know, one of like, uh, the, the last couple of weeks, like before um, uni really kicked in and I had to stop going. Um, the last couple of weeks, um, he's sort of like, we did the 40 minute warm up and he went, right, okay, we're not in here. And walked us through a door into through down this corridor and we're like where the hell are we going what's going on and into this like sort of like you know like you know the old school gym type places like the hard floor stuff yeah and in the middle of this gym was a ring and it was like oh shit okay <laughs> and sort of like, absolutely loved it and I, I just remember sort of it was it was phenomenal exercise it was it was real good fun and i went with um my housemate at the time it was me and my housemate at uni who went because we were both like at the time big watching in tna uh, like the X Division, like Christopher Daniels and AJ Styles matches, which was just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and sort of like, you know, that, that was kind of like, that was our our sort of like, you know, our uh, our muse as it was. It was like, sort of like, you know, those guys look incredible. They, they're they putting on such an amazing show. The crowd are absolutely sort of like, you know, just eating up everything they're doing. I want to do that. <laughs> I, want, I want that feeling of knowing that sort of like I'm entertaining people. Yeah. And I'd already sort of like done, like I said, I'd done theatre and shows, and I was like, I'd done theatre and shows up until then, and I've done many after. Um, and but it's, and it's that, it is that same kind of feeling that drives me. It's that feeling of sort of like knowing that people are coming away a bit happier and a bit more joyful than they came in because of something I've contributed to. So, like, put a bit of a uh, timestamp on it for us. So, when would this six, seven weeks would it have been? Oh my days! Um, when was I at university? It would have been 2004? Yeah, bloody. So you, you would have started way before I did. Because I didn't 2000s? kick in until two, May 2007 is when I would have started. So, yeah, so you you got a good few years on me on that yeah. one. Yeah, 2004 would have been 19, so, yeah. I, I, do, want to <laughs> chuck, I do want to chuck in a little bit of a sidebar. Okay. We'll, we'll get, we'll, We'll get, we'll get back to, to <laughs> humble beginnings. Now, Dan mentioned um, cardio and not being an overly big fan of it. Now, no one would know this apart from myself, Dan, and Dave Darbecchio. Now, the three of us <laughs> went to a place called Flip Out. Now, it's... Um, what, what's the area that, that it's called? That, that, that it's based in Stone. So it's a big, big trampoline park. It's all like luminous green on the inside. Brilliant. There's foam pits. There's tightly sprung uh, trampolines. There's obstacles. There's it's just like the Krypton factor, but with like you know, foam pits and trampolines and all this sort of stuff. Yep. Now we did uh, we did a two hour session. Now bear in mind. Uh, so if, if it's okay, would you be okay telling us what you would have sort of weighed that kind of uh, at that point? Probably sort of like around sixteen stone. And not a massive gym uh, goer at that point. No, I mean, me and you had been sort of like going a bit, but sort of like, you know, we'd only really kind of like just started sort of like, you know, it was like once every couple of weeks we managed to go because of shifts, etc. Yeah. Um, I wasn't exactly in peak fitness, shall we say. <laughs> so, so, so Dan's, uh, myself, Dan, Dave Dorecki, and I've been wrestling since 2007. I've been off and on with the gym. Uh, Bits and pieces over those years. I... He always skips leg day. <laughs> I, not I even kidding. Deny... Slight derail, I... but every time we went to the gym and I said it's leg day, he went, no, it's not. No, it's two shoulders instead. 
Well, that's because I can do shoulders. I can't. I've got no legs. I don't know. You need to do legs to get legs, because I've got no legs. I don't want to do legs. That's what it is. So, anyway. so uh, we're there for two hours, and um, obviously, Dave. You, everyone has seen Dave Davecchio. He's he's in bloody good shape. There's no two ways about it. He's he's very good shape. He does he does do cardio. He, do, he does leg days and all this sort of stuff. After two hours, um. I'm knackered. I am just drenched in sweat. Uh, even on the way home, we had to pull over so I could throw up. <laughs> and like I am gone. I am just gasping for for air. Dave, at the same time, is gasping for air. We are both completely gassed. We're knackered. We're sweaty. We just we just want a chicken burger and chips and be done. Now we look over, and the guy that goes to the gym the least is still going. Dan is absolutely smashing it out. And we're just looking at him going, all right, stop showing off. And you weren't even sweaty. That's the worst bit. You weren't even, like, you couldn't tell. Like, me, I was sweating through my shirts. Like, it, it looked like I was wearing a, a Philly cheesesteak wrapper. <laughs> I, I was greasy, if anything. Dave's the, Dave's the same, but yeah, a bit bigger and a bit tanned, but still equally as sweaty. And then you were just absolutely making us look like a like a like a joke. I've, I may not enjoy cardio, but I have got. I mean, I mean, not recently. I will say I went for a run recently, um, so sort of like trying to get back onto it. Bought myself some nice wireless headphones. Thought, right, go out, enjoy this weather, go for a run down a canal, and managed 15 minutes before I felt like my heart was about to explode out of my chest. Um, but yeah, I, I I I do when I'm you know sort of like being vaguely active. I do have a good level of stamina, so I can keep going. <laughs> But yeah, it's, it's it's all good fun. Yeah, I, I want to run a ten k meters, so um, ten kilometer uh, race in under an hour. I'll I, I plan to get back to that again. <sighs> See that? Oh, just just know that. I'm not, I'm not about that life. I just I'd like doing. If I'm, I want to do stuff that I'm good at, anything I'm not good at, I don't want to do it. And I don't want to learn. <laughs> and I don't want to learn to get better. So it's one of them things. But we're going to go back to sort of your early humble beginnings. Yes. What was the re- what would have been the reason for you finishing? Uh, what finishing wrestling? Yeah, because I'm obviously back in two thousand say two thousand and four. Yeah. It was it was university sort of like you know um, sort of that uni sort of like you know and, and uni sort of like your work started kicking in proper sort of like towards the end of a term and and I just we we just couldn't afford the time to like drive to Nottingham for an hour to do a two-hour class and then drive back for an hour and a bit uh, because of the uh, the course I was doing. I was doing film production technology, so a lot of our weekends was spent sort of like either sort of like, you know, storyboarding and, and making sure that everything was in place for uh, shooting we needed to do when everyone was free out the weekend. Sort of like, you know, no one had lectures. We know that we could get daylight. We needed to use that time to kind of like get to our locations, shoot what we needed to shoot for our projects and, and then get back. And so it, it, it was, couldn't afford the time in the end. And so I kind of, I, I unfortunately, just stopped. I mean, I've, I've, I have looked recently at getting back into it as well because I, I think it's f- phenomenal fun and sort of like you know the, the camaraderie you kind of get with everyone at the, at the school and sort of like get to know them because you are in literal close proximity with them half the time. Um, you know, it, it's, it's it's kind of it's 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 something I'm I'm, I'm craving. I mean, it, it's definitely one of those things that if you obviously take COVID nineteen out of the equation, yeah. But, I think if you're going to get into wrestling at any point, now is probably the best time to do it. 100%. 100%. There's, there's more, a lot more reputable promotions about. There's a lot more schools around. Now, when I was a kid, the idea of getting to, obviously, then WWF seemed impossible. Yeah. Like, 
feel like I wouldn't even. It doesn't. It seems otherworldly. Now I know half a dozen to a dozen people at NXT UK. I know people that run uh, regular NXT and the mm-hmm. on the main WWE roster. That's. I mean, the Wild Boar is on NXT and NXT UK. He's a former yeah. person for champion. Tegan Knox, she's been on our shows. Joseph Connors, El Aguero, Zach Gibson, probably one yeah. of their biggest stars. Um, it, it's crazy. I, in my wildest dreams as a kid, I never would have thought it could be possible. Now it's on our doorsteps. So I think now's a better time than any to either start getting into it or to get back into it. I mean, for me, sort of like, you know, Brit Rez, I think, is in the, uh, the best position it's been in a long while. Um, you know, sort of like, you, you look at sort of like you know, all the, like the, all the uh, promotions around us and like, yeah, sort of like, you know, some will come and go. Um, but, you know, like, you know there's thing, things that I never thought I would see, uh, again, sort of like, you know, A, sort of like, you know, that I would be in a ring, you know, on a regular basis, which is hilarious. Um, B, sort of like the amount of companies that sort of like are putting on shows and, and like the support they get, like Brit Rest in a cave for crying out loud. It's like what? <laughs> it's, like, it's it's phenomenal. I just love it. <laughs> it's like yeah, and sort of like you know, you look like 10, 15 years ago. Would that have even been like a notion on someone's mind? I'm, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, it's like yeah. Was was Brit Rest in a strong enough position that you could sort of like go and say we're going to do this in a cave, and people will turn up and love it, and you know it would actually work. I don't think back then it would, but sort of like you know, because of how well like all the all the companies. Yeah, I think I think every independent company is is to thank for this. Sort of like you know, with a few exceptions, maybe that sort of like you know, don't consider the safety of performers over others, which is a rant for another time. Um, but you know, sort of like everyone chipping together and putting on these enormous shows and like sort of like you know, bigging up their talent and trying that that kind of aura of positivity around it. It's like sort of you know, this like you know the. Um, on Facebook at the moment, sort of like, you know, if I scroll down, I bet I can see at least someone from my Facebook who's doing a put them over, hashtag, hashtag put them over. Um, and sort of like everyone's kind of like, you know, being positive and bigging up these like amazing young talents of, of the scene and sort of like, you know, and these, and then like, you know, the older people of the scene sort of like, you know, like I say, a Keith Meyer isn't, it's, it's, it's not beneath him to kind of like, you know, also help join on shows, kind of like give them that bit of advice, give them that sort of like little pep talk, like, you know, like it to Ryan, so I'm like, get back in there. Come on, what are you doing? Just get back in there. Sort of like, you know, being that mentor figure. Yeah. And I think all that combined is leading to a better scene and sort of like more exposure, which is leading to more people getting into it, which is leading to more talent heading through to like the, the bigger things. And it's, it's all it's all drip feeding. Well, but you, I couldn't say that better. I mean, you just hit the nail on the head. Because <laughs> you know, I, it, it, what, what, I, I honestly, I, I couldn't remember the year that you started with us. Now, obviously, I'd been friends with you for a little bit. For anyone that doesn't know, we worked together at the same um, uh, company in town. I, I, no was, longer, I was his carer. Yeah, I was no longer <laughs> at this company. I, I, now I'm no longer at this company. Um, but uh, mine and Dan's friend, uh, a girl called Zoe Twig, she's kind of be my carer at this company because I get in trouble easily and frequently. <laughs> Who'd have thought it? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I, don't, I, was, I was such a nice child as well. And then when she left, Dan had already come in, so she kind of handed my reins over to Mr. Daniel Terry and said, please, just make him be good. And 
that you kind of got you you were you weren't my contract at that point and uh... <laughs> I did I, I served my time um <laughs> so my time did the sentence um but yeah I, I, I have to point out it's sort of it was after I sort of like you know left my role sort of like without coming to go somewhere else that then sort of like everything went downhill so I think realistically I did a good job during my tenure everything was fine I mean let's be honest I mean mostly fine there is no one on this earth that can keep me out of trouble. And I'm not saying it to try and sound like I'm hard. Trust me, I'm not. I am an idiot. I you, know, am you know the little devil on people's shoulders? That one going, God, it'd be really funny if you did that. And how, like, you know, everyone has, like, the little angel on one side that goes, no, no, you probably shouldn't because of this. And sort of, like, you know, a balance is formed. Phil doesn't have that. Phil has a little <laughs> devil on one shoulder, and the little angel has been tied up by the devil long ago and is currently lying onto railroad tracks going, please, please, just just either set me free or end it. I, I can't do anything to stop the other guy, please. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. I, I can't... I, it, genuinely, this episode is not about me, but Dan has seen a lot... He's seen the, the stuff that I've done really, really well, and he's seen stuff I've not handled at my best. So, stuff um, that retrospect might have taught you a lesson on. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we're, we're going we're gonna to skip over all of that. But it, okay. So at, at what point um, did I kind of like you know, take you to one side or say, look, do you want to give it a go? I, how did that even go down? Because, again, I don't remember this this stuff. I mean, you kind of like got me to a couple of shows and sort of like, you know, uh, you sort of like got me there and said, look, sort of like, you know, just come along, sort of like, you know, you don't pay for a ticket, sort of like, you know, just help out on the door or something like that, you know, sort of come along, see what we do, see what you think. Uh, and I came along and sort of like did a bit of door work and then did a bit of merch work and sort of like, you know, and kind of got to know everybody. And then as it happened, sort of like, you know, um, Kim Rocks then became Mama Rocks uh, and was pregnant and expecting. Uh, and wait, whoa, 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 wait, whoa, whoa. Kim, Kim, Kim Rocks. Was pregnant? She never mentioned that. Oh, I know. <laughs> she kept that very well hidden, ladies and gents. Who would have thunk it? That's a new one on me. <laughs> I mean, the, the the only way you could tell is because, like, sort of like the slits down the side of her dress were getting like raised up by the bump. Um, <laughs> she's gonna kill me. Um, <laughs> um, Even while heavily pregnant, Kim was still trying to flash. Yeah, God, true, God true story. bless you, Kim. God bless you. Kim. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and sort of like, you know, um, by that time, um, you were A, aware that I had done shows, you know, sort of like I'd, I'd, I'd been doing like theatre and stuff like that. So you knew that I, in theory, could speak um, vaguely fluently and vaguely comfortably. Um, and you sort of like said, like, would, do you want to give it a go? Was like, you know, sort of like, you know, you, so I came along, I sort of like, I, you lent me a couple of DVDs and I literally kind of like, absolutely binged them and sort of like tried to watch kind of like you know what kim was doing sort of like you know sort of things that work things that didn't sort of mannerisms where to stand etc and kind of like tried to sort of like set that as like right that is my base point and then that, that's where we went from there and sort of like you know and you kind of like you helped me kind of become daniel terry as it was like there was one question that you asked me sort of like you know what like who is daniel terry like who is he what is he sort of like if you can give me like three words to like sum up who he is what is he and that was kind of that's always stuck with me um, so you know, sort of like you know, because I'm not there to be, I'm not there to be remembered as far as I'm concerned, but I'm there to help the crowd remember the people I'm introducing. I'm yeah. there to kind of like, I'm there to help them kind of like sort of like you know, lessen the ebbs and flows between matches in, in terms of sort of like you know, what's going on, sort of like you know, kind of smooth over that crack as it was. 
<laughs> there's, there's probably a joke there where we're just not going to do it. Um, I may or may not be grinning after having said that myself. Um, but yeah, and sort of like it's, it was, it was kind of, it was good to see sort of like how Kim did that and kind of like take it from there, and then then the rest is history. The rest is filled with brother love Christmas outfits and mariachi skeletons <laughs> and falling over the ropes when I get in the ring. Now, see, if, if you've never fallen over a ring rope getting in or slipping on the uh, the, the ring skirt, <laughs> then you obviously you've not been in this business long enough. Everyone's done it. I mean, Sexy Kev's famous for doing it. I've come oh, on yeah. the show. He jumped over the top rope wearing a cape and he just... He, went, he, he stacked it. Yeah, he went, oh, was it? Well, what's the phrase? Arse over tea? He went arse over tip. Oh, okay. I was, I, was, I was trying to be nice. Arse over teapot. Arse over teapot. Which, yeah, for health and safety reasons, ladies and gents, please don't put your arse over a teapot. Um, no, especially when it's on. Um, yeah, the, the steam might be good for cleaning windows, but it's not good for cleaning you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this podcast has gone downhill. But it's taken a lot longer to get downhill than I thought it was going to, so... <laughs> Give it time. Swing, swing, just get started. Swing, 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 swing. Um, so obviously you've been doing this for sort of coming up to sort of three years now. Yeah. Now obviously I think had the corona stuff not settled in for the year taken up a good few uh, months of this year, I think you would have found your way into either commentary or managing on other people's shows. It was it was something that was uh, that was offered. I, I, did, I did have someone sort of like you know sort of say look you know if you want to come and do this sort of like our show sort of like you know give us a hit up we'll, we'll have a look into it and sort of like a little bit and went yeah that'd be really good and sort of like, I instantly started thinking of like sort of like character ideas or sort of like you know who who I could be on those shows um, and sort of like yeah I, I loved sort of like you know some of the some of the ideas that was coming like like one being like a, a politician just being like you know not not overly kind of like aggressive and sort of like you know because I think a lot of and yeah, this is probably like a little bit soapboxy, but I think a lot of young wrestlers kind of like see heels as being sort of like, you know, just like mean, nasty, aggressive, angry. Well, well no, you don't have to be. You just have to be hated. And, you know, sort of like, like who's, you know, if you're a politician, an overly officious, overly sort of like, you know, talking down to people, sort of like, you know, politicians, sort of like, you know, not using any nasty words or nasty tone, but, you know, sort of like making them realise that they are all plebs beneath my feet and they will pay my wages bit by bit by bit. You know, they will hate you. You, know, you don't need to be angry. Uh, but, yeah, sort of, like, I sort of like had those ideas in my head. I was like, yeah, it could really, really work. And then I kind of thought, well, I need to go back into training just in case I need to take a bump. It's like, I probably remember how to do it, but I still wouldn't be comfortable without getting a bit more training again. Um, and I think Matt Burns actually offered to sort of like give me some training himself, bless him. Um, that, that sounds so well, like any it is bedroom or what's going on here? He offered to give me private sessions, um, <laughs> <laughs> of wrestling training, um, but yeah, sort of like you know, and so it was, it's definitely something that you know isn't off the cards, shall we say? I'm not gonna lie to you, I, I've got off one, I've, I was uh, in my head. I got this picture of uh, Matt Burns going, "Come sit with Uncle Matt." Like, oh God, no! I mean, Matt is—that's the thing, though. That's, I can imagine him fully saying that and meaning it in the most genuine, heartfelt way, because that's the kind of guy he is. But I can imagine every single one around him would go, uh, "What? <laughs> Come sit on Uncle Burns's knee." Hey, man, I'm good, tired, dude. I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I'll, I'll just stand here on the other side of the room. Cheers. Um, 
no, he is. It, I, I can't say enough about him. He's, he's such a lovely guy. Even like in the shows in the locker room, he's, he's always got time to kind of like chat to you. He's always got a sunny, smiley disposition every time. I mean, so obviously, you, you've been you know, announcing for three years. You yeah. kind of saw what you saw what Kim has done. Yeah. You, if you see those first couple shows, maybe three or four shows, you can tell you're trying to not necessarily emulate Kim, but trying to walk in a in a footprints. I hadn't such. found. I hadn't found my my kind of comfort zone at that point. I, yeah. hadn't found, I hadn't found me in the ring yet. Oh God, that's not a sentence. Don't ever, <laughs> say, don't ever say those words to me ever again. I mean, Kim's in the sentence, so it kind of it kind of fits, but that's a different story. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I hadn't kind of like found my groove. I hadn't sort of like found Daniel Terry at that point. Um, so I think I think I was going by Daniel Terry. Um, yeah, I kind of like, you know, Daniel Terry pretty pretty much from the get-go with us i mean that yeah. was one thing I, I got you to add the word the name terry into your facebook name and stuff like that so when, so when we were tagging you it just made it a lot easier and yeah which makes uh, sense yeah and i can't think of saying this too it was either disciple or ryan myatt or whoever it was so once you kind of get to know someone in this business as a certain name it's very difficult to change that now uh, Dylan Roberts is always my best example. He's, he's real. His real name is Neil. I can't call him Neil, even though I know his name's Neil. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's Dill. That's what's just. It's very difficult to start changing things once you've already got the ball rolling. So, no, it, way, uh, it it is uh, true, and it's sort of like, and, and Matt Burns is another one, sort of like you know, I I can't think of him as anything other than Matt Burns. Ah, see, I, I, I'm a bit different with that. I, I got to know him as Kyle before yeah. I was wrestling him. Was, so yeah, I, yeah. I get. That. But as I think, sort of like I've only, you know, I've, I've only kind of like ever been re- mostly introduced to people. It's really weird at shows as well. Kind of like you like go up like before the show and kind of like say hello to people, and like they give you the name, and you're sitting there thinking, is that your wrestling name or your real name? Is that I don't know. <laughs> I mean, so if. For the people listening to this, if they've never been in the wrestling business, they might have been to shows, they might have hung around and had a photo with someone um, at the end, or they have a picture during the uh, the interval, things like that. Now, if you to give them some info to the insides, uh, like an insight of professional wrestling, what kind of stuff would you tell them to not necessarily look out for, but would you kind of either gear them towards or would you say you know what's really weird you've got to go around and shake everyone's hands including the dj including the lighting technician the sound technician the guy that puts up the ring you have to shake every person's hand when you get there and when you leave you can't forget anyone yeah it's i mean that that is kind of a strange one to me in some ways but also i kind of like that it's that kind of like this of everyone saying hello to everyone um and it kind of like you know I think that breeds a better show as well because you know if everyone is you know on you know essentially name terms and sort of like friendly terms with everyone, then the locker room feels a bit more nice. Sort uh, of like you know going into sort of like you know, planning the matches, like there's no kind of there's no hang-ups. It's like you know you know who the other person is, and I, I, I kind of like that. That is that is a weird one, but I mean for me, sort of like the weirdest thing is kind of like the the like putting a ring up and sort of like bringing it down and sort of like seeing who turns up and sort of like you know who who comes in and puts in that extra yardage because like yeah yeah but the people like come in and see the shows and they're entertained by these phenomenal athletes that are doing brilliant things in the ring but they don't realize that literally kind of like a few hours before they were there in their trackies putting like like hawking metal and wood into the ring that they're now bouncing off and i i 
I, that that for me is kind of like the strangest thing. Sort of like you know, I I I never considered before, like pro wrestling for you, how the ring gets there. <laughs> Which is a strange thing. It's, it's kind of like sort of like you know, it's it's a ring, and kind of like you know, logistically you should look at it and go, well, that doesn't fit through the door, so clearly it doesn't go to be one piece. Um, but it's you know, you don't kind of like quite realize kind of the effort that it takes to put that ring up and to take it down, and the fact that these guys and sort of like you know, not even just them, you know, the sound technician, you, any merch guys, sort of like you know, I, if I've got time to come a bit like after, like if I'm not working before, and I'll come and help put it together and take it down afterwards and load it into a van, you know. They they train, they do that, they do the show, and they put it down. But all people see is the show, and that's, yeah. that's that for me is it's, you know I've I no issue with them not seeing that, but it's kind of like that kind of that help that made me appreciate what they do so much more. I mean, would I be right in thinking? Because I mean, uh, I heard this uh, analogy is on a WWE table for free. There was Michael Hayes, there was Jim Cornette, and Eric Bischoff. And yep. Michael, I think Michael Hayes asked him a question, and I might have been Eric Bischoff that answered and said, "When I was young, all I cared about was the destination, like just being there and just the product, the end result." Yeah. Whereas when you start getting older, you appreciate the journey that it yeah. takes. So you're seeing like, like you said, the 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 backside to how shows even get to that point. Yeah. You're seeing that, you're appreciating it, and you end up appreciating the destination. As much, or maybe a bit more. Hell of a lot more. Hell of a lot more. Sort of like you know, I mean, sort of like even going from you know turning, sort of like you know, the like when we were looking at the Oscar Mania shows, like sort of like in Port Vale, stepped forward and said, look, you know, we'd, we'd love you to come do the shows here. Sort of like you know, it's for a great cause. We're behind it as well. You know, come and have a look at this room, and sort of like seeing that room and going, well, you could do that there, and sort of like you know, it, it no longer became just a function room that people use for kind of like conferences and weddings. It became a wrestling venue, but seeing kind of that journey to it being just a room to being ready for Oscar mania. Yeah. It helps you kind of like appreciate the whole show so much more. And I, you know, if I'm, if I'm ever sort of like, you know, working before a show and I don't get a chance to come and help do that, I almost feel like I'm missing out a part, which yeah, is, which I, is I, weird. I it's like, I almost feel like I'm missing a part of the experience, like from my point of view, which, which, which is strange, but yeah, I mean the, the whole, the amount of work that everyone puts into it, I say like the, the sound guy sort of like, you know, making sure that all the sound set, making sure they know everyone's entrance music, sort of like, you know, the cues they have to hit sort of like, you know, the, the, the <laughs> like you running around like a headless chicken is possibly the, the, <laughs> the pinnacle of every show day for me. Sort of like, you know, you are kind of like, you know, relatively sort of like, you know, chilled, laid back, everything's fine. Unless it's show day. <laughs> Then show Phil comes out, and show Phil is a completely different beast. Um, but you know, it's, it's that you do it because you care about it being a good show, and that kind of like I, I, I love. And again, everyone kind of like pulling towards that that end destination. But the journey getting there is is just as important because without you know, if you have a bad journey, you're not going to get a good you know, you're not get to the destination on time. You know, you're not going to be as happy when you get there. If if everyone pulling in on the journey, sort of like you know, and, and that, that camaraderie around it kind of makes the show itself so much better. Yeah, I think you've just hit another nail on the head there, didn't you? The camaraderie as well. Like I'm not going to sound biased because it's obviously it's it's our promotion <laughs> and it's our locker room and whatever. But I love being in the pro wrestling for you locker room. There's not that many times that I've been in a backstage area. Where you, either you're all together, yep, 
or no one's got any beef from anyone. No, it's not always been the case. Occasionally, people have. I'm going to take some take some names out. Some people have had issues, and it's only been found out on show day, and it can make things a little bit awkward. Obviously, I'm not going to put names in. That wouldn't be fair yeah. to do. But it's just a really nice atmosphere backstage. Yeah. It is, and you know, sort of, uh, but actually, you know, in terms of sort of like saying to people, think uh, to the audience members, things you don't appreciate that you won't see. This isn't so much an appreciate, but it's the one thing that I, I probably the one downside to kind of like you know wrestling as it is, sort of like you know the one thing that if you know it, it will it can't change because of what it is, it is what it is. But the smell of the changing room, oh my days, it's the most oh. weird combination of scents I've ever experienced, and it's never <laughs> pleasant. <laughs> ever um but yeah that's it's, it's, it's like a, i think you described it you kind of like pre-warned me before i went in said you know sort of like you know one thing you need to be aware of is, is the change room it will smell like a weird mix of bo fake tan and baby oil <laughs> and was i wrong you were not wrong at all it's so weird it's it's baby oil, it's fake tan, it's musky gear. Now, everyone, if you've been in this business long enough, you know someone that needs to wash their gear. And I really hope this corona stuff is giving people time to say, you know what, I'm going to go wash my gear and hang it out. Go give it a laundering, yeah. I mean, sort of like, you know, yeah. there's some people, and again, I won't name names, but sort of like, you know, when they've opened their bags or their suitcases, it's almost like a green cloud has erupted with the opening. Um, it's, 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 it's special. <laughs> It's it's a weird thing because it's bad in in a sense. The oh god, this stinks. But, but it's unique. And, and also, um, more specifically to the Silverdale changing room rather than the Holy Trinity changing room or anywhere else. Because Silverdale, it's like a big long sort of corridor, thin, corridor thin room. It's it's an exaggerated yeah. corridor. Let's call it what it is. Yeah, and. When people are dropping their guts in there, I don't want to be crude, but it is what it is. You know, wrestlers have got protein trunks. Yeah, I was going to say, sort of like, you know, the, if you've ever been around a gym, you know, sort of like people in there, sort of like, you know, with all the pre-workouts and stuff, it does things to your insides. You know, there's no there's no two ways about it. It's not crude. It's not being, it's not a meme. It, it's genuine. It's science. It's biology. That in a small contained room where everyone is on similar stuff is, no, thanks. Um. Yeah, <laughs> I think the best analogy for it, and I, I don't remember who gave me this, and I don't know if it was Key, I might have Ryan actually. It sounds like something Ryan Myatt would say. He said, Do you know when, when you go on holiday and they open the plane doors and you walk off and then <laughs> yeah. it hits you in the face? Like, oh my God. He says it's like that, but like being slapped by an egg butty. <laughs> <laughs> He's not wrong. He's yeah, an, an egg butty that's been left out with you know, fake tan and, and baby oil. Um, but yeah, it's it's special. But yeah, I've, I've I've again brought it downhill and derailed it. I'm doing my job here. This is yeah. I, mean, I, had, I had one job and I'm succeeding. Yeah, I mean, like I've not had an energy drink since the last person future, which had been March the seventh. No, actually, tell a lie. <clears throat> I was at Unstoppable Wrestling. Big shout out to Unstoppable oh, yeah. up in Burnley. So that would have been March Saturday, March the fourteenth in Burnley. I've not had an energy drink since then, but since I'm now working at a local supermarket, I finished my shift. I bought a full chicken because it's been the chickens were looking at me for my entire shift. I had to have a chicken. Bought a chicken, bought a can of mango monster. 
tried it. I was like, it's good, but it's not right. It's it good. It needs to be it's... at a show. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm the same sort of. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've seen sort of like you know, and this is the thing. Everyone has a, a sort of like a, a pre-match ritual, like a pre-show ritual kind of thing of things they'll have and things they'll get. You know, if we're at Silverdale, I'll go next. I'll go next door to the car. I'll go and get a couple of Lucas A's because they are kind of, and that's something I bought with me from theatre in a way, in a weird way. If ever I'm performing, sort of, I will, I will. That is my kind of, um, not rider list. That's my tradition. Yeah, essentially, I, mean, it's, it's, I, I feel weird if I don't have those. It's hot under them lights anyway. Oh god, yeah. Especially when, when you're kind of because I know you do kind of like less notes now. You're a bit more off script these days. I know you still do it because that's your wheelhouse, but you're a bit less scripted than you were when you started because you yeah you know all these people. Yeah, it, yeah you you feel a lot more sort of at home and stuff, but. Winging anything makes you nervous. You get nervous, sweaty. Um, you're under those lights. You're running around. You're doing bits and pieces. You're in a, like a three-piece suit. Uh, you, there's 200 people in a room all breathing and farting and whatever. <laughs> it's, and, that, it's... and that's just Phil. Um... <laughs> touché, sir. Touché. Yeah, it's, it's, it, is, it is excessively warm. Um and I remember sort of like one show we did, and it was, I want to say July 2018 um, at Nutton. And it was the year of the World Cup, and England were in uh, the knockout phase. And it just so happened that, oh. that, that that fell on exactly the same day as we had a show. It was kind of like, <clears throat> it's one of those things, it happens. But I mean, that that, that wasn't the issue. You know, if, if anything, the fact that England were playing at night probably helped us because the venue wasn't as full as it would be because people are watching the national team. I get it. You know, I, I'm not going to lie. I, during that show, me and one of the crowd members were having some banter because he was checking the scores for me. Um, you know, I wanted to know as well. Um, well, no, that was because uh, England were playing at 3 p.m. and our show was... Um, and, no, I, we had an afternoon show. No, that would have, that would have been an evening show. Because it's still really, really bright. Yeah, yeah so no, it, it was really bright. Yeah, I've already won by that point, but there would have been another game that starts at seven pm. That was it. It was yes, it was a game, and the result of that game was who we played. Yeah, in the next round. Yeah. Uh, so everyone was like, yeah, but so I was like check, checking on things. But I remember that show and sort of like, and it was a ridiculously hot summer. Oh my days! It was kind of, it was the, it was a kind of summer that you know, if you were doing nothing and sort of like you had the evening to yourself, you probably would have been, if you could get away with it, stark naked in your garden in the shade and still be sweating. It was that kind of warm. It was horrific, and I was there in you know my my normal sort of like you know what is Daniel Terry waistcoat shirt and trousers, just and I, I think I took a picture and put it on my Instagram and I was literally my face was just water. You know, sort of like those cartoons where sort of like they've got literally like a waterfall running off their face. <laughs> that wasn't even an exaggeration. And I was like, I was literally moving like as little as possible in the ring. Sort of like normally sort of like when you see me, I'll sort of like, I'll almost like pace corner to corner a little bit, kind of like trying to, like trying to address as much as the crowds I can sort of like try and bring them in rather than kind of like leaving one of the sides alone. I was like kind of like literally kind of like turning slowly towards them and like barely pacing around the ring thinking if I move less, I will get less warm. <laughs> this is genius. 
I, I, I was DJing, like, I was the, uh, the, the music guy for that show because yeah. uh, our, our usual guy wasn't there. The DJ booth is behind the stage curtain, so I'm behind the curtains with all the wrestlers, which is the changing room. There's nowhere that's getting to us. Everyone, is the, the sweat is running off everyone. We are all literally stood there in our underpants. So you've got me, you've got Drill, you've got Dave Dalvecchio, you've got Big T, you've got Shake Al Sham, you've got G-Wiz, you've got Mark Morgan. You've got the guys from Iron Fist. You had um, Rio. You had yeah. uh, just, we were all stood there in our pants, just like, oh, it's too hot. Like, sound like proper, typical English tourists. Oh, it's hot. Oh, it is hot. Yeah, it's too it was hot. Too, it's, just too, it's too warm. It's that muggy kind of heat, isn't it? Oh, it's that muggy yeah. kind of heat. Is that... No, it was, it was, it was, it was horrible. But I, I remember that vividly. Oh, my days. Um, but yeah, sort of like there's, there's times when the suit does not do me any favors. <laughs> well, um, so I'm, I'm going to pick your brain a little bit. So you're three, obviously three years deep of us. Three years, um, and you obviously did yeah, a little bit of training back in 2004. If there was a new manager on, a uh, new manager, new backstage host, like a, like a verbal role in the company, not necessarily a wrestler, but like one of the more verbal roles. Yeah, uh, and they are brand spanking you right out the box. What kind of advice could you give them? Own it. There's there's a piece of advice that sort of um, there's a, a, someone I went to school with who is uh, now a guitarist in Cradle of Filth, um, wow. ridiculously talented guitarist, um, and he said to me sort of like you know because I used to gig at the time as well. Um, he said if you're going to do anything on that stage, then you have to believe that you are the best person on that stage doing that thing at the time. It's like, and, and this is like, this is like a really niche example, but I think it applies. Like, if you're going to do a pick slide on a guitar, you've got to believe it's the best goddamn pick slide that you are doing. You've got to absolutely just go with it. Because if you half arse it, it looks half arsed. If you kind of like, sort of like, you know, don't just dive your full self into that character and into sort of like, you know, what you're saying, it won't appear, you know, you've, you've, got, to, you've got to sell it to the audience. And if you're half arsing it, they'll pick up on that. They ain't daft. You know, so as, as much as some of the heels will say otherwise, you know, that audience ain't daft. That's what, you know, if you are kind of like, you know, holding back a little bit and sort of like, you know, going, yeah, you, you smelly bum, you, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you, yeah. It's, 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 actually, it's like, yeah, you know you, you're an absolute pleb, aren't you? I mean, look at you, those shoes go with those trousers. No, not in the slightest. You know, you've got to absolutely own it and just go for it. Because, um, I mean, I've, I've always kind of like, you know, I, I heard you and uh, Ryan talking about this and kind of it was very interesting because I have a very similar view that, you know, wrestling is almost a little bit circus. Yeah. I don't see it as circus. I see it as panto. It's physical yeah. panto. It's physical pantomime. And, you know, if you go to a good panto, sort of like, you know, you, you don't see the actors on stage kind of like being all timid. They are, you know, 150% all the time. And that makes it work. And wrestling's the same. Sort of like, you know, it's, it's, it's that kind of like, you know, if you don't put your heart and soul into what you are doing, you know, even if you think, oh, I'm going to look silly, fuck it. <laughs> pardon, my, pardon my French. You know, I, do you think I thought oh, I'm going to look silly when I dressed up as a, you know, in red trousers, white, sh uh, red shirt, white waistcoat for, for a Christmas show? Yeah, I knew I'd look silly. I knew it would get some giggles. I'm down with it. I just owned it. You know, dressing up as like the mariachi sort of like school. Yeah, it's going to look absolutely daft as anything. But I played up to it. I'll pull some poses on it. I'll get those giggles. I'll have them laughing at me. I'm okay with that because they're enjoying it, and that's what it's about. I, I, I couldn't put it better than that if I tried. I mean, I'm like, I mean, honestly, 
September 2018 press interviews, Paul Monty. Yep. Like, I, I knew coming out there dressed as Where's Wally, I was going to get some weird looks, some weird comments. But I thought, I, I really, I, like, I yeah. don't ask anyone to do anything that I wouldn't do myself. So, Exactly. Yeah, I think I think only to just whatever you're going to do, just commit. Don't yeah. do anything half-heartedly in this business because it, it just won't connect with people. Like you said, the, you, the fans know if you're not being 100% genuine. Now, they don't have to believe that you're... They don't believe that The Undertaker is legit, a, a, an undead zombie. No. Or his walk, his talk, his music, the the, the black lights, the, the voice, the attire... Everything is screaming Undertaker. There's no, there's nothing to pick at this that says, you know what? I don't believe it because he's coming down on a, uh, he's not driving a Harley anymore. He's coming down on a pink moped. No, and and you know, Undertaker's a good example of sort of like you know making sure you commit to it. You know, sort of like if you look at him, sort of like you, if you imagine sort of like you, you, you've got the Undertaker. You know, sort of he's dressed up in his his big coat, his hat. He's got he's got the music, the lighting's there, all the mise en scenes there. But then he kind of like sort of like he, he looks a little bit kind of like left and right as he's walking down, kind of like just like you know sort of like just almost a bit nervously. Instantly, that 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 facade's gone. The fact that sort of like you know you look at how he acts and he just commits to it. He walks down sort of like you know his his head doesn't move, his his eyes don't move, he doesn't acknowledge anybody. Sort of like you know he gets to the ring, sort of like you know he kind of like stands there, he like he moves slowly, purposely, kind of like creating that mystique about him. But all that is him committing to it and just going, this is this is what I'm doing. And the crowd lap it up. Yeah. You know, if, if you, so if you've got a gimmick and like kind of like, you know, your, your gimmick is, for example, uh, let's pick some out of head. You know, you're, you're kind of like, almost like kind of like a weird kind of like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Silent the Hedgehog. In my head, I went Tracer from Overwatch, but I realise that you probably won't know who that is. But sort of like, you know, no, someone I'm who's not like, yeah, exactly. But someone who's like sort of like in you know, a whole persona is like go around speed, like we talk a bit fast, like you know, because it's kind of like this, like the movements are a little bit erratic. Kind of like if you kind of like want that gimmick, but then you're moving slowly because you're a little bit nervous that you know you might move fast and, and bump into something. That's fine. You know, but you, 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 if you don't commit to that, you've lost it. If you bump into something, you can kind of go, oh, I didn't see about that. Carry on. Um, sort of like you know, and sort of like go, go, going too fast for it, and I like just commit to it, and sort of like you know, just just go with that character and be that character, and the crowd will accept you instantly. And then the moment they've accepted you and gone, yeah, that is that guy. The rest is kind of like, you know, is, 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 is much easier. But I say, if, if you, if you go out there a little bit nervously, sort of like, you know, a little bit timidly and don't fully commit to it, you're going to have a harder time winning that crowd back over once they've made their first impression. You know what I've just made a connection with? It's like ice skating. If you, if you try and go too slow and too careful, you're going on your face. Yeah. You've got, to lean, quicker, you've got to lean into it. The quicker, the quicker you go, the easier it is. But you just you've need to lean into the skid to start going quicker. Yeah, and 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 that's that's something you know, sort of like it's 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 scary to think that you only get one chance to make a first impression, but it's also true. But there's no harm in sort of like you know, if you, if you know that you've only got one chance, give it everything. You know, yeah. don't, you, know you, you don't get a reader of a first impression, so give it everything. If it goes wrong, that's fine. I mean, and there's also nothing wrong with. If you do something that, like, perhaps you didn't plan to in that moment, don't shy away from it because if you know if you gauge the reaction, if it worked, just add it in. Gimmick, gimmicks aren't yeah. static. Gimmicks aren't kind of like you know a a fit perfectly in a box. This is what I am. This is the only thing I do. I don't do anything else. You can evolve over time. If all of a sudden you realise that actually that I'm leaning more into that sort of like you know speech to promoters sort of like you know I'm leaning more into this. It's not a massive change. It's not like a full kind of like gimmick change but it's 
something that you can add in that works that the crowd respond to lean into yeah. it and perfect yeah. example ritmo yes you know sort of like you know he's a rogue lucha pirate and sort of like out of nowhere he asked anyone do you want to see a silly salmon and did the silly salmon and the crowd went and loved it and he reacted to that and that's now kind of like a big part of sort of like you know of, of his kind of like repertoire because the crowd love it did he do that half fast? no he went for it <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he absolutely went for it I mean even to the point he was going to hit a 450 yeah. uh, for, for his finish in that match and as soon as he went on that top rope Everyone started shouting salmon. You can yeah. see on his face, he, he goes, oh, that's, e- that's easier than a 450, less risky. And the people want it. Give yeah. the people what they want. Exactly. But, and again, and he fully committed to it. And he fully committed to that kind of thing. And, you know, if he'd have half, half asked it and kind of like bowed out and done a 450, would the silly salmon still be as big as it is now? Would it have just been a one-time move? Yeah. No, but because he lent into that and just went for it, it kind of created its own cult. Uh, <laughs> the cult of I a mean, silly salmon. Um, but, the, but good yes. thing with, the good thing with the salmon as well, they just came off on, on a little one. He's, it's now different every time he does it. Where it's a different setup. So the February show, Luna Rocks did one. Yeah. Um, the March show, even Troy Goose looked like he was going to do one. Yeah. Because I, I, I said to Ritmo, what you want is a different salmon every time. Try and make you different. So you can have a catalogue of salmon. It's like a catalogue of salmon. I love it. <laughs> And exactly. It, it, it just we just went. It just went off on it. You know, you could you could like you could do a springboard silly salmon from the side of the ring. You could do it from a top rope. You can do it your normal way. You can you can do sort of like a a, a fake out silly salmon. You know, it's, it's but you know, you know, you know, kind of whatever way he's doing is is a good example for like new guys to look at and kind of learn from. Whatever he's going to do it, whichever way he's going to do it, he goes full out for it. He doesn't put himself or others in danger with doing going full out, but he commits fully to the fact that this is daft people are probably laughing at me but i don't care because they're enjoying it yeah I mean, perfect absolutely absolutely perfect now we're unfortunately we are going to get into the second part of this show okay and it's ask phil anything now, <laughs> dan's laugh already worries me slightly now you're going to get a chance to ask a couple questions and I'm not going to back down from anything. So okay, I'm a promoter, okay. promoter, performer, whatever you want to ask, fill your boots. Okay, okay. Um, you see, I, I, I wasn't given much prep for this, because I, I, I'm sure, because you know, having lived with you, um, I'm sure that I could have come up with some really, really interesting questions. So I think it's very, <laughs> I think it's very sly of you that you've not given me any pre-warning on this, other than... You know, about an hour ago when you said, then we're going to do this. I was like, all right, okay, what? what, hey, what? <laughs> well, I'm all about just yeah, impromptu <laughs> and just winging it. So uh, if I give you too much prep, then it's, it's not going to be great. And also, yeah, you, you've lived with me, you've worked with me, you know too much about me, some would say. So, uh, so yeah. Okay. Um, what's the worst idea for a match that you've ever come up with <laughs> so you know sort of like this this is kind of like not on sort of like you know the the performers this is not on kind of you know how they how they did it but afterwards you kind of like you've sat back and gone why the fuck did i try and do that you know match or storyline that you kind of <sighs> sat back and gone that was dumb i should have thought about it. i should have thought i should have thought about that that's on me because I'm, everyone has them this is the thing sort of like you know everyone is fallible you know sort of like you look at 
you know, sort of like WWE, they probably run some storylines after that. They've kind of sat back and gone, yeah, um, perhaps we shouldn't do that again. Yeah, everyone does it. Um, I probably got. <laughs> See, this does involve the performers, and I'll give you, I will give you their names because I, I honestly don't mind. It's, I'm not shitting on them or anything. Now yeah. we did a show called Press and View Sweet as a Nut, and we like the idea that we'd, we'd announce a match. Say, I, I can't remember any of the matches though on that one. I think it might have been the Filthy Rotten Scoundrels versus Clarkwood. I'm pretty certain that's about right. And we gave the audience, because we wanted some interaction, we put that match up on Facebook, Twitter, and whatever. And the match had three possible stipulations to it. They might say, uh, table match, um, uh, ladder match, no holds barred, something like that. And the fans that were interacting via Twitter, Instagram, and all this sort of thing could voice their opinion about what they wanted for each match. And there would have been yeah, five or six matches to the card. And for each one, the audience had a big part in taking control of that show, essentially. Yeah. Um, and we had like bits and pieces. Um, we had, um, I think he's Dukin versus, he's defending his G6 championship, and he had three possible uh, opponents. We got them all there. He pleaded their case like it was an episode of Blind Date. Turned into a big fight, and Kim Rocks turned into a four-way dance. Okay. Uh, sorry, a four-way match. So, and that's kind of what we thought were going to happen anyway. We're not going to get people to come to the show, you know, other wrestlers come to the show and not use them, so... That was kind of like a good way of doing it, rather than just saying we're having a four-way. We kind of put it like this. Now, yeah. as good as that one was, on the flip side, we had a match with it was Violet Vendetta versus Laura Jane. Bloody hell, Laura Jane. That's I may I, or may I, not be looking at the card. <laughs> uh, and that was the one. And I we gave three options for this match. And I can't remember what the other two were. I think there's a, a British wrestling rules match and a something else and a best of three. And people voted for the best of three. Now, we didn't anticipate that. We just chucked that out there as an option. I was like, oh, stick it on. No one will pick it. You'll say other stuff. Whatever that third one was that I can't remember. Yeah. That's what they'll go for. And no one did. <laughs> and we weren't going to skew the results. We are going to, like get people to fake vote on it because that's just not what we did yeah um, so like oh okay so this would have been july august september kind of kind of time so we said look ladies the fans want free matches so how about we, you know, rather than just having this one bookie and we give you the two following shows and obviously they were happy because they got free matches out of it yeah uh, and laura jane she wrestles as uh, what's a the character called uh, the the living dead doll. I can't remember what, what her name is. Begins at F. Falony. I think that's about right. Oh, she comes yeah, out, yeah, yeah. I think I've seen her on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and she kind of comes out like like a living dead character, kind of a bit zombified and whatever. And I had this idea in my head that if uh, Violet Vendetta versus Laura Jane, you, the the woman, the, the girl, Laura Jane, so not this character, just just Laura. 
She'd okay. face she'd face Violet twice, and Violet would cheat twice to get the wins. And on the third time, Laura Jane would transform into Falony, and uh, Violet Vendetta would be horrified, and she'd get her ass kicked, so yeah. on and so forth. Kind of echoing when Mankind did it when he turned his Cactus Jack against yeah. Triple H. Triple H lost his shit. Like, oh my god, not Cactus Jack, whatever. Yeah. Now. In essence, it wasn't a bad setup. The idea of her becoming this character and kicking and violent vendetta's ass kind of made sense. But the first match was such a, a miss. No one in the crowd really cared at all. Yeah. And then that started affecting the performers. And then the performance from the performers started to kind of, you, over the 10-minute over the match, it started to be quite... It started to get worse. Things were getting. I don't want to say sloppy because that's that's not what I mean. But a bit a bit looser, not quite connecting, and that is just ten minutes of a really quiet crowd. And then right at the end of that show, I was like, "Oh, thank, thank God, that's over." Oh shit, we've got two more. <laughs> I mean, that happens. That happens. Luckily, on the, the the next show that we could do it, we literally just hot shot it. We give them like eight minutes and. We said, Luke, you're going to do two matches in eight minutes. So quick schoolboy roll up to, to make it one all. And then you've got five or six minutes to have another bit of a match. Keep it fun. And let's just let it be dead. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's fair. I mean, I think I think you probably learned something there of never try and assume what social media is going to do. Well, that's the thing. We, 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 we could have skewed it. We could have got like, yeah, our friends and family and whatever. Say, Luke, do me a favor go on this match and just vote for what, for this particular one. But we just didn't want to do it like that. We just wanted to just completely let you know, let our fans have their say and get on board and whatever. And obviously at that point, you're like, oh, oh shit, they didn't give the one we wanted. Oh, okay, fair enough. And okay. it just really, really didn't, didn't hit its mark, unfortunately. Okay, uh, so next question. Can I have one more, one more question only? That's fine. A nice one. Okay. Say, for example, that, you know, sort of, for whatever reason, there was a cash injection into ProSum for you. Not a massive cash injection. We're not talking about millions. What one thing would you want to add to your shows that you don't already have? Ooh. Mmm. Oh, that's a very good point. Um, could it be a venue? Well, in terms of taking it to a different venue? Yeah, just for one show. Okay, yeah. So Victoria Hall and Hanley, all-star. I've been wrestling there since the 60s, 70s. Yeah. And it, it's just a very, very famous um, venue. I mean, they all-star were there for years. Megaslam did a couple there. There's a company called VPW that did one show there. Um WOS Wrestling, when it kind of got reincarnated, they did a show there. And even though I don't think we'd have the same kind of feeling that a person you show would have in Silverdale, because we've got our own banter, our own in-jokes and whatever, I yeah. still think being able to perform at Victoria Hall would just be... It'd be amazing. It'd be something I could tick off my bucket list. Fair play, fair play. I like that. So I, don't, I don't think there's a talent I'd say, oh, I'd spend all this money on our talent because then you're just advertising to the rest of the roster. By the way, the money that you're getting is nothing in comparison to what I'm yeah. paying. 
this guy. XYZ, yeah. Yeah, and, and also, like, let's be honest, we fill up that Silver Ale venue. Yeah, we do. Well, I mean, we, we, we've got, like, I think it's last May, we had 252 tickets sold. I think there's 249 in the room, but 25 or there or thereabouts, 240, something like that. But we actually sold on the door and online and whatever, 252 tickets. Now, if we got a name, say, a Pete Dawn, a this or that, a the other, whoever, even if we brought them in, we, we could only get 250 people tops in that room. Yeah. So there's not much else we could do. So it wouldn't necessarily affect anything other than the fact we probably have to put tickets up, you know, the cost of tickets up, which yeah, which don't overly, yeah, which, yeah. exactly, which I don't only want to do. We'd be shooting ourselves in the foot. So I think a venue change for one show, Victoria Hall, that would definitely be it. I like it. I like it. Okay, there we go. See, that was nice. No, I got, I got through that unscathed. I'm quite chuffed at that one. Yeah, mostly. Now it's my turn. Okay. So last last series we did six episodes. Um, and we had like a little a, a little game. This time we've got three envelopes in front of me. Now that game that we did is one of these envelopes, and okay. there are two, two other games in these other envelopes. So I need you to pick me. A, B, or C, and whichever is in that envelope, that's what you're going to be doing. Two. <laughs> Such a dick. <laughs> this is the reason why we have to put explicit on the podcast. Cause... Did, you, did you expect anything less? <laughs> no. Pick A, B, or C, dickhead. B. B. I pick B. Right. Right. Give me. Give me. Right. Going to go into this. Have you, so we have, you got... it, have you sealed it up, knowing you're going to be opening it up without a camera? Yeah, I don't. I, don't, I didn't think. I don't think that one through, did I? It's <laughs> like <laughs> so oh. no one's watching. No, the dog's watching. He's, he's at Leanne's house and leads at the minute. I'm literally on my own on the floor, drinking a beer at five in the afternoon or six, wherever it is, oh, and. I've sealed an envelope, which I could have used again if I had I not done that. Oh, what a tip. Well done. <laughs> okay, so you've actually picked out the game that we've been playing for the all of Series 1. Okay. So, anyway, I'll take that. That's fair enough. It's, it's nice and easy. Did one of the games and the other two isn't quite nice. So you've you probably done quite well. So I'm going to list you some, uh, some professional wrestlers and their okay. wrestling personalities. I want you to give me the quickest answer possible. You can't overthink these. Okay. So I'm going to say a name. You give me the first word or words that come to mind. Now bear in mind, we're not editing this show. So if you want <laughs> something moved and you lose a booking or a friendship or a toe over it, that's on you. And if I lose a booking, that you are, I'm, I'm your only booking. <laughs> This is true. This is true. <laughs> well, you, you never know. Who knows? Potential other promoters might listen to this and go, you know what? I was going to book him, but uh, he said something Maybe horrible. Not. Maybe yeah, not. He, he said, I dunk my plums in Jolly Trifle. So we're not. Wait, you're one there. of the options in this. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> right. Do, do you ready? So do not overthink the first words that come to mind. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Chris Jericho. Legend. Troy Goose. Funny. Drill. A lad. Dunk the Clown. 
Who? Joint the Clown. I, was like, I didn't hear you broke up. Um, meh. Oh, okay. Mark Morgan. <laughs> um, nice. D- okay. Fallen Angel Christopher Daniels. Um, overrated. Wow. Sugar Dunkerton. The pinnacle of what every young wrestler should look to as how to do their jobs. Kim Rocks. Bloody lovely, never see her without a smile on her face. Finn Balor. Uh, one of my favourite wrestlers. Matt Burns. A gentleman. Ritmo. A prankster. <laughs> Ryan Myers. Um, friendly, aggressive banter. Sticks. Uh, thankful for. Babyface Pitbull. Needs to not believe his own hype. <laughs> Pete Dunn. Pioneer. Last but not least, Keith Myatt. Everyone's favourite granddad. <laughs> Has he asked you to sit on his knee yet? <laughs> Probably. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Um, but again, so I have a lot of time for Keith. Sort of like, you know, he's, he's, I remember sort of like, especially like the first couple of shows in, sort of like, he, he made a point of coming over to me and sort of like saying, sort of like, you know, really good people. And I like kind of really talking to him and sort of like, you know, really give me a lot of confidence in the fact that I could do it. And I think that in a locker room is a very overlooked quality. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely the locker room leader. He's someone that I could leave in. in, in if, if I had to leave the show for whatever reason, and I, I, yeah, I give Keith my, my money and say, look, I, I've got to shoot off. Something's happened. Pay people. Like I know I could trust him, and yeah. that's you know, he's worth his weight in gold. He is absolutely. And again, so like, uh, the, the confidence he'll inspire in everyone in that, in that locker room is phenomenal. Yeah. So we've come to the very last segment of this show, and it means I get to shut up for like a minute or so. So we're going to put Dan on his little soapbox. He's going to get his little open mic segment. And he's going to be able to uh, have a little rant. He's going to get some stuff off his chest. I don't know what he's going to say or what the topic is even going to be. So, uh, Dan, if you'd like to get on your soapbox and uh, take a big deep breath. Okay. So I've been having to think about this. Obviously, I I was prepped at the beginning. And I think it's a little bit of advice almost sort of gets overlooked and sort of like gets almost like ignored and there's there's almost a little bit of almost arrogance towards this and that is noise yeah there's there's so many wrestlers like sort of like you look at all the good wrestlers and sort of i'm not talking about you know the noise of like you know slapping your leg when you hit a good super kick i'm talking about the noises you are making in the middle of the match and sort of like that being a part of the match itself and i think that's something that people need to really pick up on there's been a few women's matches in the past on our cards and i'm not going to name names but they were you know the crowd was silent because they were silent. There they was almost kind of like they're miming the acting. You know, if you are not making noise and not sort of like, you know, making it sound like you are putting in effort, like you are sort of like, you know, having to go to these extreme lengths to kind of like get this victory and, and sort of like, you know, it's a struggle, then the crowd aren't going to react. Make some noise. And when they then come backstage and go, oh, that was a dead quiet crowd. Yeah, because you were quiet. You were silent. To look back at that match and critique yourself and go, what wasn't I doing? I wasn't making noise. I wasn't giving the fact, you know, there's there's so many senses you can hit in a wrestling match. You can hit the sound of the mat. You can hit sort of like, you know, the visuals. You can hit that kind of like that facial look. You can, you can also hit the noise of the noises you are making. Sort of like, you know, if you are sort of like, you know, 
angry and sort of like you're charging in. And a good example of this, and I am going to name drop this person, a match Holly Barlow against Grodd. Holly Barlow, literally at one point, roared as she ran at Grodd. That noise, if she'd have just ran at Grodd, would it have had the same impact? No! Make some noise, people, for crying out loud. Put that into your matches. Make sure, you, know, you can all do the moves. We know they're done by writ. You know you can put together the spots. You know, you've been doing it for so long. Make the noise. Give the audience that something to react to other than the visuals, please. <sighs> Feel better? Yes. <laughs> it's like, it generally winds me up when sort of like, you know, sort of some of the talent comes backstage and goes, oh, that was quite a sign. It was a grave. Yeah, because you were. <laughs> It's just, uh, that's not that's not on them. <laughs> You've got to give them that. Oh, but yeah, you know, this is what the uh, the open mic soapbox bits uh, segment of series two is about. I want people to go off and on because this business we all enjoy it. But yeah. there is stuff that properly gets on our tits, and I'm with you on this one. I got told make make all your moves bigger, make all your sounds bigger, make all your visuals and your facials bigger wider and everything and you know and when i see people not doing that they want to keep it very small and snug and quiet and that they're not selling because selling is more than just selling moves yeah you're selling facial expressions and everything else yeah it's it's, i mean that that kind of like example with holly and i can't remember what match it was but it was a phenomenal moment um and sort of like you know the fact she literally charged across the ring at grad you could you could tell her face was in the moment. She like she was she was roaring like she was running across like you know she, you know she is a very petite lady. Grod is a very tall gentleman. You know sort of it's 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 very much sort of like you know David and Goliath or Davina against Goliath that'll do. Um, and you know it, it's you you can't sell the belief that she's gonna you know sort of like power bomb him off the top rope if she's not putting in that noise and showing uh, and almost like making giving that it's, it's, it is acting. And the face, the face is another thing, you know, sort of like showing the audience that, you know, sort of like you're not just kind of like, you know, just in your head kind of thinking of what's the next spot, what's the next move, what we're doing next. You know, you and the person you're against or people you're against have a, in inverted commas, relationship within the scene. You've got to give that in your face as well and your voice. If you're not giving those two cues, then all you're doing is moving and you're missing literally two thirds of your acting. And your audience won't. Not that they believe it's real, but they won't kind of like believe, they won't kind of like let themselves kind of go into that moment of kind of going, yeah, this is a battle for them against him because of this. They'll just see it and going, those dudes wrestling, those dudes. Meh. You know, give, them, give them that extra bit to invest in. Can you, you fit the nail on the head? Is there anything else you even want to say to, let's be honest, you, you have got some fans, you have sold, uh, you know, you've signed posters, you have pictures with some of the fans. Is there anything that you want to say to, uh, to either your own fans or anything that you want to promote of your own? Um, no, I mean, sort of like, you know, please, please, for like, if you are listening to this and you aren't like following the progress and view pages, please do that. And I'm not going to self-promote myself because I, I barely do anything with my stuff anymore. Um, but, you know, sort of like, please follow the progress and view pages, like the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram, uh, you know, sort of like to, to make sure like you know, hop on the website. You can buy tickets on there. You can visit like you know, it's, it's worth doing like, you know, and also please, if you're a parent, I know your kids are loving it, but keep them in their seats, please, for their own safety. It gives me a heart attack every time I see them running about. Uh, yeah, I, I, I very much. I, I very much echo that. Very much. It's like, you know. 
I don't know. I literally, I, I purposely try and make sure that I don't know what is going to happen during the matches. I'm kind of like, you know, I, I like the fact that, you know, I know who is facing who, sort of like, you know, but I try and avoid anything else, sort of like, you know, I, I, I try and see it almost as a fan. So, like, the reactions you get from me are, are genuine reactions because I'm watching it the same as every fan. But then I'm kind of also looking and thinking, well, I don't know what they're going to do. And there's those kids running about around that corner. And if they decide they're also going to suicide dive that way and they, they don't see until the last minute, one of those kids is going to get absolutely flattened. And I would hate that. I would hate that. I'm sure you as a parent, if that's your kid, would hate that. And I'm sure the kids definitely would hate that because that's going to hurt because they are not small guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, please. I mean, sort of, yeah, if, if, if they want to like run up and down the aisle bit of Silverdale, that's fine, but not in front of the ring. If you know, if they want to go to the toilet, try to go around. Like, there's a, normally a middle kind of like row, isn't there, that you can get through. Yeah. Try, yeah. try and go through there, not the front of the ring, because have, I, I, you know, I don't want anyone to get hurt. And the worst thing is to say that it'll ha- it'll happen if it, if they don't sit down and no one will mean it and everyone will hate it and no one wants that. Please, please, please. Wow. As a father, I beg you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, that's what I say. I've almost had another mini rant. Um, I don't but, like yeah. I'll give you two minutes. You've taken up like ten. I can tell you, you can tell you're definitely following in Kim Roxy's footsteps. <laughs> Apart from when I'm on the show, I try and keep sort of like you know, I'll 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 do little bits, but I'll try and keep things fairly short in between because at the end of the day, like I say, they're not there to see me. I'm just there to paper over the cracks between the matches. Well, you were you sure do look after those cracks? What were we gonna say? <laughs> I I'm an expert plasterer. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's a gimmick. Come out in, no, come out, come out in overalls. Um, <laughs> with a tub of plaster. This has gone very, very weird. <laughs> Again, very, did you expect anything different? <laughs> no. That, that's the thing. I really didn't. Uh, but right, I, 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 think, I think before we go too far down a rabbit hole that we can't pull ourselves back out, I think we better wrap things up. Uh, dude, it's been an absolute, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure, and I've also like found out more about you than I thought that I knew, and I, so, so for me uh, as well, I've really enjoyed it. Obviously, I, I knew a bit about what you've done, but I didn't quite know. So it's been nice to kind of like do this. It's always, always good to catch up with you, anyway. Yeah, same, mate. So, ladies and gents, this has been the very first episode of Series Two of Snap, Crackle, and Cheap Pops. Uh, I've been Filthy, he's been Mr. Daniel Terry we're going to catch you next time I really hope you enjoyed it, please do leave us some good feedback if you think we've earned it, which hopefully we have because we've been sweating and talking our ears off we we do try, so ladies and gents until next time, thank you very much Thanks for listening. Check out Pro Wrestling For You on all social media platforms and stream our back catalogue of shows over at pw4uondemand.co.uk.